Welcome to the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast, the show where we discuss what it takes to create a sustainable long-term online business in today's fast-moving environment. We talk with industry experts and freelancers alike to find out what it takes to build and manage a location-independent business. Hello and welcome to episode four of the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. In this episode, we're going to be discussing with Amy from PaidSearchMagic.com how she transitioned from agency side to freelancer and managed not to burn her bridges along the way and actually leave the agency with clients. We're also going to discuss what to watch out for when working with clients so you can avoid headaches down the road. And we're also going to dig into the Enneagram personality types and analyze why it's so important to be self-aware of your strengths and your weaknesses as a business owner. We're also going to dig into some tips for digital nomads and freelancers who are just getting started out and pull from Amy's vast area of experience and she's going to provide her insight and knowledge into how those of you who are just starting out can get ahead of the rest of the pack. Hope you enjoyed this episode. For any of the resources and links that are mentioned, please head over to digitalnomadcafe.com forward slash episode four. Hello, Amy. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I do need to make a correction. As of this week, it is no longer AdWords. It is Google Ads. So <laughs> they did oh, a whole okay, re- rebranding. No, I didn't I didn't tell you that. It's, it's brand new. But, you know, the further on we get, what's AdWords? So, <laughs> so yeah, we're Google Ads now. Yep. Yeah, I seen. Uh, yeah, that's brilliant. They just released the thing for the snippets as well for uh, sound search. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that, but that's pretty cool that you can like have. You know, if you can say, "Okay, Google, tell me," you know, I don't know what's what's the latest news in my area, and you can read it back out. You know, like yeah, I know it's a bit different, but like Google's making big updates. They, they are <laughs> all the yeah, time. So yeah, it, it's brilliant. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? So how is what is this kind of evolution even in your own business? And you know, tell us a little bit more about what it is that you do and what you know where where this led to. Yeah, so I've been doing. Uh, see, I want to say AdWords. Everything is different now. <laughs> I'm so used to AdWords because I've been working on this Google Ads product since uh, 2004. So it's been quite a while that this has basically been my world of running paid ads for clients who want to get found online. And then in addition to that, we help other marketers um, and you know entrepreneurs, people who are bootstrapping or starting up, wh- whatever stage that they're in will help them to better understand and navigate Google Ads so that's something that they can do themselves and they can get really good results. I think a lot of people are afraid of Google Ads because, you know, compared to Facebook, it's like, well, well, Google spends a lot more money. There's a lot more risk. And that's true. It's it's a it's a bigger playing field with bigger stakes. And so people just need to make sure that they get it right. Otherwise, you could be wasting a lot of money without getting results. And so we just are we're there to help people get the best results possible, know what specifically they need to do to take action and just and help them grow their business using paid search like Google ads or being it's um it's very powerful that you're taking both approaches so you're both you know doing managed services for people but also training people so what what led to that what led to that decision to bring in that part of it did you find that people wanted uh, you know to, to manage other people's clients is that where that came from or did it come from clients who wanted to manage it to I think for me, the interesting thing, I like to be hands off. Here's the thing, you know, when we're working with clients, clients have their own ideas of what they think their account needs, how they want to manage it, what their timeline is. And you 
become responsible to make sure that happens. And and obviously, if, if it were just a matter of driving AdWords performance, and I think everyone can relate to this, if it's just a matter of getting the thing done, well, we're experts. We're pretty good at doing that. Sometimes there's challenges, but we're, we do okay. But then there's this whole other side of it, this new dynamic of managing the person's expectations. The person may not know anything about what we're doing, and they'll have, you know, they'll, I want you to accomplish X by doing Y. It's like, well, Y doesn't cause X. And it can just be really, you're, you're managing personalities in a different, in addition to managing the actual account. And so for me, when I get to do coaching and I'm, you know, distanced from that part, I just got to help people get results. And they, you know, they're obviously, they, they know what they're trying to do. And so it, for me, I really enjoy that that aspect of things where I just get to help people get their own results without worrying about any of like the politics of, well, we need to get 80,000 views. Oh yeah. Why is that going to drive a single sale for you? Well, I don't know. You know what I mean? So it just, it works out better. It's, it's nice to work with people who are like, they've got some skin in the game and they are trying to get results for themselves. I like that aspect of it. Absolutely. I would imagine for, you know, AdWords led campaigns for a lot of businesses, it's about leads and leads and customers, you know, like they want that phone ringing. They want to know, I give Amy $2,000, I make 10, you know, that's the mentality a lot of people have, but they might not know the ins and outs of it. You know, it's quite, you know, but it's the same from, you know, from an SEO perspective, you know, where people pay a certain amount a month, they want to know that the person who they're paying is driving a certain amount of revenue and, you know, if people have unrealistic expectations or if they don't fully understand it, you know, you, you can put yourself in an awkward position when you're working with these clients. So I think it's uh, it's important to train, you know, like what you're doing there where you're, you're, you're training people up, but you're also setting very clear expectations from the get go and um, you know, even qualifying your clients before you take them on. You know, I, I even noticed that on your site. You don't take just anybody. You only take the people who you know you feel like you can help. Yeah, that's very true. It's kind of funny because my dad, um, at the beginning of like in the early two thousands, basically, he be, he went into business for himself. He's a psychologist, and so for him, he he left this big corporate job and he got to run his own show. And for him, the big advantage of being you know an entrepreneur and setting this up for himself was that he got to say yes to clients that he couldn't have otherwise because they didn't have the right insurance or they weren't on the right panels or or whatever the the issue was. He wasn't you know there he could only say yes to people who had money. And when he was an on, when he had his own business, he was able to say yes to people who needed help, but could only afford the copay. And he would just take $5 for their session. That'd be it. And for him, that was so rewarding and awesome. Um, for me, it's a little bit the opposite because in my job, I've had to basically, you know, when I've been working at agencies, I've had to take on lots of clients that weren't honestly a good fit. They did not have their website and offers and messaging and positioning in a way that paid search was a great fit for them, but they just had money to spend on it. And as a line item, we're going to spend this much on paid search. And so for me being able to say, you know what? No, we're not able to get you the growth that you want based on your goals, based on your offers. Um, and, and be able to set that expectation. I like that. So I will say, you know, we say no to more people than we say yes to and not, not cause we're trying to be like elitist, but because we only want to be working with people who can, who we know we can help. Otherwise it's just really stressful if people have, they're expecting something, they're paying for that thing, but you know, they, we should have had that conversation a while ago. Like, Oh, you know, we're not going to be able to accomplish this thing for you as long as you don't have a lead magnet, you know, that sort of thing. So it's, it's, I like being able to have that sort of autonomy to be able to control who my clients are and make sure it's a good energy. I completely agree. And when you have clients like this who come to you, because, you know, 
just for the context, I mean, the show is about digital nomads. It's about people who run online businesses. The first couple of episodes were people who ran content businesses, SEO businesses. You know, th- there's a lot of cross pollination between, you know, the different areas. So in, in situations like that, would you, you know, maybe refer them on to somebody who you know, who can get all their landing pages sorted? Or do you just tell them, you know, you, you know, you can go and get this stuff sorted and come back to me. You know, how would that work in a scenario with a client? And I suppose if you any advice for people who are in a similar situation, because you don't want to get caught up like you're good with the Google ads product. That's what you're really good at. And that's what, you know, but if you start adding in, oh, and we'll do your click funnels and oh, we'll do your, your landing pages and we'll do your, you know, like if you start offering everything, then you spread yourselves thin and you know, things become more and more. So, you know, what would be your advice for, for people who are, working in similar industries or, or who are looking to do something similar for, you know, keeping specific, keeping niche specific and, and working with these clients in a positive way. Cause I mean, you want them to work with you. They just need to get certain things set up and in a row, you know, it's not that there's a, that it's like, no, I don't want to work with you. It's like, it's just not the right time. You need to fix these certain elements and then we can, you know, move forward from there. That is an excellent question. And I think that's something that's not thought through or brought up enough is what else needs to happen, you know, for everything to work together to drive the best results. So in some cases, we even, we actually have project managed uh, different aspects of marketing. Like, oh, I'll bring this person in for landing pages and this person in for your emails and content and we'll handle the, you know, the paid search ads and we'll, we'll check these boxes and We'll we'll have all this going together, and I'll make sure it's running and that everyone's on the same page. So sometimes I will do that, um, or I have done that. I think kind of going forward, that's probably not the direction that I really want to go, just because it's dependent on so many other people in order to get something to work, and there's just so many opportunities for it not to move forward. So I think that ultimately, what and what what I have done and what I would probably continue to do is refer out. Say, hey, you know, this person is really great at landing pages. Why don't you go have him do this or else, you know, we'll work with him directly. That's no big deal. But we'll make sure you're you're in a good space to be set up for success. Like here's what you need. If you're willing to invest in what you need on the back end, then we'll absolutely help you drive traffic there on the front end. And it's it's so much easier when someone comes, you know, with a good site, with a good offer and and then it's just a matter of targeting the right people. But I mean specifically talking about paid search, if they're if they're trying to target the right people, but they don't have a good offer and they don't have anything on the back end for people to say yes to, it just makes everything a lot harder and frankly more expensive. And I think that's something that a lot of even people who are just getting into digital marketing don't necessarily really understand. And they think, well, that's just, I need traffic. I need, I need people to see me. And then once they do, everyone want to buy from me. Like, well, you need to think that through a little bit more, make sure there's a good product market fit, because if you're not getting sales right now, it's probably not just because no one's heard of you. There might be something with your offer that needs to get fixed as well. Maybe it's not as compelling to other people as you imagine that it is because you haven't actually done research. So that's a problem we see happen a lot is people just think, oh, if I just had traffic or views, all my problems would be solved. Traffic doesn't solve those problems. You really need to fix your offer first. And I, w- I would say that, you know, is probably going to be relevant to anyone who's trying to do the, the digital nomad 
lifestyle, right? Because you always have to be thinking about what is actually going to move the needle. And that's not just getting those clicks and views. It's it's much deeper how we're going to be compelling to our audience. Yeah. Well, your conversion rate really at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's the same in e-commerce. It's the same, you know, if you're offering a service-based business, you could be a painter, you could, you could be an agency running ads for your own business. You know, I mean, it's it's all well and good driving a thousand people to the site, but how many of those ring you and turn into a client? That's the most important thing when it comes to, you know, AdWords and searches. How many of those people who made those searches bought the service or the product or, you know, purchased the item from the store? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I see this all the time, you know, uh, me and my friend, uh, Carlos in the first episode, like, you know, we've delved into the doing local SEO for businesses and, you know, it really, it definitely cross pollinates with, you know, Google ads and AdWords. Cause you know, sometimes you might turn on AdWords at the beginning to get the phone ringing while the sites are ranking or, you know, things like that, or while you're working on improvements to a website. And it's very much the same thing when you're doing research, you look at who's doing the AdWords. And sometimes when you click the links, like my mind is blown where people send people you know like they're sending them to a facebook page like paying adwords to go to a facebook page or paying adwords to go to like a website that looks like it was built in 1994 <laughs> you know with no clear call to action and you know this is where exactly what you're talking about where people you know you, you need to fix that stuff before you really get into spending that money because you're just you're just going to be throwing a lot of it away i feel Definitely. It's like having a big leaky bucket and thinking, well, if we just pour enough water into the bucket, then it's like, no, you have leaks. You fix the holes in your bucket. Absolutely. It's really important. Well, look, can we go back a little bit and just talk about how you got to where you are? You know, where did the, why did you decide to start your own business and um, how did that come about? Yeah, I started, so, so paid search magic, the, the agency only started in November. So it's been about what, nine or 10 months now that that we've had our own business. But I've been doing this for quite a while. And so for me, the ability to just have that level of of autonomy was really important to me. In terms of being a remote worker and being able to operate on my own terms, I think I caught that bug much earlier. So it's been since, I want to say 2008, 8 2009 that I've been a remote worker so I've done a lot of freelancing for different agencies a lot of contracting and then the last job I had before starting my own agency I was the director of paid media but I was completely remote which meant that you know I was working from home and I could travel or do whatever else I wanted uh but I still had you know W2 in the United States I was still an employee of an employer. Uh, so it's, for me, it's not just the freedom of travel because that that's not that has not been coupled with having my own thing, if that makes any sense. But being able to just have the autonomy of we're going to we're going to work on this on our terms and be able to prioritize um, you know the clients rather than the paycheck from the clients. It's 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 different. And I really like being able to do that. Yeah. So disclaimer, I live in Ireland. I don't travel around the world anymore. I used to, and then I had a child. (laughs) So I don't, you know, but I did the whole living in Chiang Mai and all that sort of stuff. And look, I mean, that's what some people do. It's just not what we want to do right now, you know? Um, But look, I 100% agree that the the freedom aspect, it's the ability to, you know, kind of pick your own hours, um, you know, work with 
working from home or working from different places like and interacting with exciting people too in like co- I like going to co-working spaces when I can as well there's lots of different elements of things to do it but you, know, you came from that remote employee background where you know it, it's become it's funny because I was 2009 as well when I started getting into you know doing SEO for people and being a freelance writer and that was where I cut my teeth and back then it, people like literally couldn't believe it they're like that's mad like you can't you can't do that and now it's like it's so normal it's becoming so normal everybody knows somebody who works for a company in ireland who works from home these days like it's so funny in like such a transition in literally in a couple of years you know what i mean where now it's become the norm to either work from home or you know run in your own business i mean everybody knows people who can run a business from their laptop or their phone but it's um There's definitely been a massive shift and I feel like it's for the positive, you know, um, overall. I think so too. When I was hired on uh, as a remote employee job that I had, I was remote employee. I I call like patient zero. I was the first person that wasn't uh, in the state that, you know, that that we couldn't just easily travel and and show up for client meetings or whatever. Uh, By the time I left, I think there were 14 people who were either 100% remote or primarily worked from home or or took days, you know, where they were working from home and then sometimes. And so even just in that short period of time for a while, it was just me and there were certain headaches and hassles that happen when they just have one person who's out of the office and then everyone else is there. But by the time you get kind of a critical mass where you've got a lot of different people, then the whole system is set up to be for everyone to succeed. And, and some of the practices change, but then it also makes it a lot easier for remote workers to be able to be included in and for their needs to be met. So everyone can collaborate a lot better than if you're just doing like one person and everyone else is there. It's definitely comes with its challenges and as a company, you know, you need to have the, the really the communication structure in place that that you can handle it and that you can manage it. You know, like the company I work for have a large amount of remote employees, you know, but then if you look at some companies like um, I think there was a, an episode I seen recently where the owner of Hotjar believes it's either all remote or not remote. You know, that was his mentality on the uh, during his interview, you know, because you can't create that culture. It's either the remote culture or the office culture but you know i I believe that it can work because i see it work but you know there has to be effort made to facilitate just like you're saying the remote employees and you know that everybody in the office isn't just like oh adam and amy are just at home sitting down watching netflix not doing anything (laughs) you know so well that's that's really true there's that perception of what it of what goes on um being remote and then there's also um Oh, I just totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> well, I guess there's also the the fact that when those people then have a, a work from home day, that's what they do because that's what they think is being done. And so they're like, oh, I'm working from home. And then they just watch Netflix and go to the post office and they don't get anything done. And they're like, how come I don't get to be a remote worker? Well, because when you're a remote worker, you still need to treat it as a job. You know, it, it's not just you're getting paid to not do something. You're getting paid to do something. You need to show up. You need to, in some ways, I I, I don't know if this is your experience as well, but in some ways you need to be even more accountable. You need to be more present because of those perceptions people have. And so you'd be really clear like, hey guys, I'm taking my lunch and that's why I'm not at my computer, but you'll see me back here at this time because I'm not just goofing off and, and making sure that people understand that you are available because you're not there in the office like everyone else is. And so they, they think that you're a little bit more removed. So you need to be even more accessible than maybe you otherwise would if you actually 
we're showing up with everyone else. Oh, I totally agree. I, I use Slack w- for everything and I just update my Slack handle with what's happening. It's like on a call, out for lunch, working on a project, <laughs> you know, like I'm available, leave me alone. I'm available, leave me alone. It's, you know, but it's literally like everyone can see it. I was like, oh, Adam's on a call. You know, that's why he's not replying or that's why his notifications are snooze. And, you know, that that works, but you have to bring that element into it. So so when you transition from, you know, working as a remote employee for a company doing this um, managing the paid media and then you decided, you know, you wanted to go and do your own business. How, you know, what did that transition look like? Did you take them on as a client? You know, did you kind of step out on your own or did you have different clients? Were you doing a bit on the side? So like just for somebody who's in that sort of a scenario where maybe they're working for a company, maybe they're cool with, you know, doing a few days from home and they're looking to make that transition. How do you feel? You know, how, how did you approach it really from your own experiences? That's a good question. So uh, there, there have been two times, I guess, at this point that I've left a job to not be doing that job anymore and be doing freelancing. Uh, one was in 2008 and then one is certainly in 2017. And in both of those cases, I made sure I was on very friendly terms with the, you know, with my employer and just let them know that this is what I was looking to do. And in both cases, they actually gave me contract work as as a contractor as opposed to an employee. So it's a, it's a little bit of a different setup, but I was able to continue to manage that and, and kind of keep that cash flow in addition um, to going out and, and finding other clients. So um, in 2017, I already had some, like I already had been building a bit of a, a ramp up of moonlighting and handling clients for people. And so it wasn't a huge drop off. And then since I had additional um, contract work from my agency, I was actually <laughs> wasn't expecting that. And so I had quite a bit of work to do. But um, I think that depending on how you handle, if you handle things smartly, there's usually an opportunity to keep the door open. It won't necessarily transfer to immediate work, but it, I would definitely recommend leaving on a good note rather than um, than just you know lighting a fire behind you as you leave because you, you want to have those connections and they, they already like and trust you. So if there's an opportunity to work together, they're much more likely to take it if, if you've managed that relationship. Yeah. And I mean, people who are good people understand that people grow and develop and that this is, you know, a a personal choice. It's not that you're leaving them stuck. It's like, look, I'm going to go and do this thing. And like you're saying, I'm happy to switch to a contract scenario, which is it would be very the same in Ireland. You go from a, you know, a PAYE employee and you're go to either self-pride or limited company and you just start invoicing them. That's the only difference, (laughs) you know, from from their perspective, it just means that they're not paying taxes for you anymore. So it actually works out better in the end in a lot of cases for for the business. So. Yeah, look, that's that's good, solid advice, you know, you, uh, and you dropped in there that you were moonlighting a little bit. So, you know, you had you weren't just stepping off going, I'm going to do this thing and see what happens. It was like you had some stuff built up on the back end. So, you know, you were comfortable to leave. And, you know, I suppose you thought at the time that you weren't going to have any work from them. So the work that you were doing in, in the evenings and on the weekends was what was going to carry you while you built your business. And, and it turned out that you actually ended up walking out of there with a lot of work. So was that the point when you, you know, did you hire help? Did you bring somebody on to help you manage at that point? What did that look like? I definitely did because there was a lot of work. So just the details of this, and I don't think this is going to be most people's situation, but just to give you a little bit of context for what had happened, uh, the person who was going to be taking over my role basically quit on my last day. He was, he was, 
he quit and was let go, you know, rather than the two weeks. So there was no transition. So there was no one to manage this anymore. There was no one who was trained or capable of doing it. And so because, you know, we had that strong relationship and they had already asked if I'd be willing to potentially do client work for them, uh, I was able to just take on all the clients, but taking on, you know, an, an agency's whole client roster, in addition to what else I had going on was pretty overwhelming. So I did have contractors who I reached out to help me manage different parts of it just because, um, you know, before it was two people's full-time job and all of a sudden it was just, I had all this work (laughs) and it, you know, so, so I did, I did have other people help and kind of be a support team to help me manage all that. No, absolutely. Even project managing it and reporting and like there's so much stuff that goes on in PPC, as you well know, that just so many moving parts and the, the actual messaging with the clients. And there's just so much that happens and you, know, you can't be doing everything because I mean, you're limited. If you're doing everything and you're fulfilling all of the services yourself, as you well know, you're limited. You can only make so much money because you can only charge so much. So for a business to grow, you need to, you know, move into that strategic advisor role and, 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 you know, be, be the face of it fair enough and, and be the person like obviously you're, you're at that point especially you were definitely fulfilling a lot of the, the services yourself but you were overseeing and training people into the position so that you could take on more work and you could you know be you know spend less time in each account you know and, and you just guide the people who were already experienced and knowledgeable in what they were doing to yeah yeah to get the results for the clients really because that's all that matters at the end of the day yep had you any growing pains during that time like was there you know something in hindsight now that you wish oh when when things got like that i wish we had used a project management tool or i wish we had hired a project manager and i just you know like was there something at that point in hindsight now looking back that you know as you were growing and and hiring different people is there something any advice you would give or or any you know something that sticks out that's like i really wish this did or didn't happen (laughs) (laughs) well i do wish that things I I wish that things had been able to be easier, that it wasn't so stressful. In terms of what I would do differently, I'm honestly not sure. Like, it is really important to me to, I'm on the hook to make sure that that the results are are what they're supposed to be, and so I was the person who was interfacing with the client, the, in in one you know one of the clients that we had you know from my agent, um, and. I was managing all of those relationships in addition of managing other people that were maybe trying to onboard. And so if if I wasn't getting what I needed from someone else and it became my responsibility to learn it and do it, um, and that that is difficult. <laughs> it is difficult to to be the one person. And if there my plan had been if we were to keep this going, I would have just brought the other person in to say, okay, hey, this is your new person. You know, work with her directly and not be not involve myself in it. Obviously that's that's a preferred way to handle something. But at the time it was just like I need to make sure that she's that there's no gap in coverage, that everything is seamless. And so her questions, I would answer them. And so even if my contractor is like, oh, it's a holiday, I'm off. Well, I'm not off. I'm going to show up on Black Friday to help out with the sale because that's what she needs, even if we wish that she had done it earlier. So it's just, it's just, I guess, understanding that things happen. And so part of um, being responsible means making sure that last minute uh, issues are still handled, uh, even if you wish that, you know, well, if they had prepared ahead of time, then they wouldn't have to be worried about it on Black Friday. Yeah, that's true. But we know from experience that that's not what's going to happen. And we need to make sure that we're able to give them coverage on the days that they really need coverage. Oh, that's fair enough. That's, you know, good, good, solid advice and, and hindsight. And I suppose 
we touched on this briefly there before our call. So I noticed on your website that you have up about, you know, the Enneagram personality types. And I'm just, I'm just curious. I'm going to hit on it because I'm interested in it. And yeah. I'm an Enneagram type seven uh, with a five wing. And I um, I believe that's what it is anyway, I think. And uh, ENTP, which is like the enthusiast debater, <laughs> which is why hopefully podcast <laughs> suits me. But I'm not arguing with people here. I'm right. just like, I'm just chatting with people. <laughs> Maybe I should have a different yeah. one where I'm just arguing with people like no black white hat seo versus black hat seo um it, that's really you have a whole podcast no 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 bring thing. on what you want to chat about we'll just pick holes in it um but <laughs> right. you know just affirm just curious more than anything you know this is not like you know the, if you don't have an answer for this it's fine but like you know when you're hiring or, you know, when you have people on your team, do you factor in any of the things from like, let's say, you know, you know that you have, you know, everybody's or there's a certain amount of people with certain types and you know that, you know, a type seven is not very good at a certain type of thing. Would you factor that in or would you have them tell you or, you know, just curious, does it play any role at all, I suppose, in your team is all I'm really getting at. Does it play a role in a team? Absolutely. Do I have a specific process for who I would work with and how I would manage things based on that? At this point, I don't. But you you were sharing that your team does it at Shopify Plus, and I think that's pretty fantastic. I'd be really interested in learning more about how to sort of sculpt that because we know that you know, when we're working with clients especially, but really anyone and, you know, a coaching client or a management, you know, an agency client, it's still, there's still people and people need different things. And so it's really important to me to understand what someone's needs are and be able to meet that, meet those needs. In some cases, we get people who need to know absolutely everything that's going on in the account. And sometimes I have had clients where it's like, if I could make a report that's just smiley faces and frowny faces, I would, because that's all they're able to really grasp. Everything else is just, they think I'm trying to confuse them or I'm trying to talk in jargon. I'm like, no, saying CPC is not jargon. You've been doing this for years. You need to understand what these terms mean, right? And so like, there's definitely a factor of people's personality and what their their strengths and weaknesses are is going on. It's the undercurrent, whether we're acknowledging it and recognizing it. Um, so I just for in, in my situation, I work with my husband, we are both Enneagram fives. And so we get really deep into the weeds. Like this is what motivates us to be good at our jobs, to be competent. Like we've got this real need for doing, doing good work rather than being liked rather than, you know, all sorts of things that most people are like, well, I, I just want someone to like me. Like, Oh, I don't care if you like me. I just want to do a good job. And so like trying to understand what's, you know, what's going on for me. How can I make sure that I'm compensating for those areas of weakness and and doing what I need to keep everything running is important. But I, I am interested in taking things to another level where I, I better understand how to, to work with my clients and know what they need more specifically. There's another profile. I didn't mention this on the website, but it's called the DISC profile. And it's another kind of personality thing. Um, and there's a there's a tool called Crystal, I believe. And what you can do is a plugin that will link to um, LinkedIn and also to I don't know if it's Gmail specifically or any email platform, but it'll tell, it'll analyze that person and say, hey, this person is this kind of personality. Uh, they really care about group dynamics. And so you need to make sure that your opening is very friendly, that you get to the point that you, you know, say that you ask questions like, how was your weekend versus someone else is like, they don't want to hear any of that. You just need to say this particular thing and like how to even like the language, if you're 
if you say certain phrases, I'll say, oh, that's not a good phrase. And so there's a lot that you can do when you really dig into it. Um, I think that, that that can really be leveraged to maintain those relationships very well. Yeah, and I think how people, like like you're saying, how people would handle the reporting, but also I think it's very important for like feedback. Some people you give them, you know, they like, like me, direct, honest feedback. No emotions come into this. Tell me what I did right or wrong and just give it to me straight. I don't take it emotionally. You know what I mean? It's like, it's it's feedback where some people is like, oh, you got to be real careful how you give them feedback. Because, <laughs> you know, like I, my type would be the, it's like the logical one where emotion literally doesn't come in. It's like, it, it doesn't make sense. Like, it, it's not, it's not that I'm an emotionless person. It's just that like when it comes to giving feedback or something like that, it's like, mm, that's wrong. Do it this way. And some people are like, why did I do it wrong? Why didn't he, you know, people can react a bit strange to it, but it's like, it's just, I find it very interesting and definitely like in a team dynamic where you're working with the same people on a regular basis, it is, look, it's powerful just to know what everybody's is and and to kind of, you know, even just get the, you touched on a couple of ones there. One of the other ones that I've used beyond the Enneagram, it's called 16personalities.com and that gives you the, you know, ENT sort of a one and um, yeah, it's really fun. It's, it's just a quick, I don't know, 10 minutes on your phone. It's free. And then they give you um, a whole lot of, you know, I suppose, all a personality breakdown of your, you know, your work life, what you like to work with, what you like as a parent, what you like as a partner. And look, not all of this is true. You know, like it's not 100 percent. Nobody, you can't just pack the uh, 8 billion people or whatever it is in the world into one little, like you're one of these 16 types. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, but it's definitely... I tell you, I read mine. I was like, "Woo, that's pretty close," <laughs> you know. So, um, but there's obviously parts of it that don't work. But it's good from a team dynamic to be like, because if people can relate to it too, if people can look at it and be like, "Yep, yeah, I agree with that." Like, that's how I am to work with. That's how I am to this. And then you know that, and you're like, "Well, that's good," you know. So now I know that you like that direct feedback, or you you really don't. You know, sometimes it can get people to open up as well a little bit about themselves, especially in ways that you wouldn't have known before. That's another positive thing I found out of it was. If you got everybody to do it and then everybody kind of tells you what they think about the results, you know, it's like, do you think that that's you? You know, did you read it? You know, if you read the type five ENTJ or whatever and, you know, take some bullets out of it. Do you feel like that was you? And it's fascinating because people get into it because almost everybody finds something that's like, yes, that's me. I'm telling you. (laughs) So. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, on the subject of just being remote, you know, you mentioned working on Slack and that's my communication channel for a lot of clients as well. There's something when we're, when we're a few degrees removed from an in-person interaction where we, we not, we don't hear their voice even, but we don't see their body language. We don't understand their external stresses. So if I'm just like, oh yeah, I'll get to it later. And I just mean that very, I, I don't mean anything by it. Someone could read that and think, oh, she's blowing me off. She's not you know, paying attention. And so I think understanding th- how people want to be communicated to and keeping that in mind can really improve our communication process with people and help facilitate a better working environment when it is remote and when we're not face-to-face. Because there's a lot that can happen when you're face-to-face. Like I've had clients, that I, I it was years before I met them. It's like, oh, I get it. I get when you say this, this is how you mean it. I get I get a lot more about you when you have that whole context. But when you don't have that context, it can really help to just understand, um, you know, at least at least how to how to communicate them. So you're not burning bridges as you go, because you just didn't understand that they interpreted a certain thing differently than how you meant it. 
And it's very hard to get emotion into emails too. Like, you know, like you can write things like, you know, oh, I understand your frustrations or, you know, things like that. But like, it, they don't feel it. They don't hear it in your voice. And that's why, you know, even myself down the lines, like, I mean, I've uh, sent video or audio clips, you know, let's say you were, so something came up, a problem during a site build or, you know, a, a campaign, like it's like explaining it with your voice you know, or a situation with your voice where you can put emotion and actual feeling into it. And you're like, look, this was not meant to happen the way it happened. This is what happened. This is what happened then. And here's what we done to resolve it. Like nobody's trying to mess with you, man. It's like, you know, you, you, you can get it. But if you read that in an email, you're like, well, screw this guy. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> right. it's important. I think that uh, just like you're saying, when, when we live in a digital world and everything is, you know, Slack messages and everything, you know, emails, it's good to get that context because, you know, even for yourself and for your own clients. So uh, now you mentioned, so you left work, you took on these clients because right place, right time. And that scenario for you, you also had these other clients. So did you then move to uh, like, how did you then acquire clients or were you like, did it just kind of come to you as time went on? What, how did that, how did the next stage of the business grow? Well, so, I mean, I would say that this is very much a work in progress. And so the answer I will give you if we're, when we're talking a year from now, Amy, what did you do to grow your clients will be different than the answer I'm giving you right now because we're in the early stages and some things haven't maybe, you know, born fruit that they're going to. But the things that, that we have done um, so far is doing our podcast, people find out about us that way. Um, I'm, I'm really learning a lot more about authority marketing. And just to be really honest, um, I, this is something that's, that's a little bit challenging for me because I think like a lot of people who are subject matter experts, like I've been doing this a long time. My expertise speaks for itself. And I, I'm sure you're familiar with Seth Godin's idea of 10,000 hours. Have you heard of that? Just the idea that you need to put in all this time before you can become an expert. At Absolutely. Something. Yeah. And so Photoshop like, especially. so they, the, the, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So, so like the, the Beatles spent 10,000 hours, for example, you know, playing the cavern before they went on to be the Beatles that, you know, are, are polished musicians at this point because they, they had all this practice time. And so in a lot of ways, I feel like, well, I've already put in my 10,000 hours. I've done all this work. So now, I'm, you know, I should just have this expertise and credibility. But learning to package that in a way that um, it's not just the 10,000 hours of doing the actual work and being good at it, but being able to be known for that, being able to show up, you know, publicly as a brand and say, Hey, this is who I am. This is how I do things and building that reputation. That's a work in progress for me right now that it's like, Oh, maybe, you know, I haven't been the Beatles waiting for my Ed Sullivan moment. Uh, I had a business coach I was talking to this about, and she's like, no, you've been a studio mu musician and now it's your chance to like, to, to work on the fact of, of, of building, building more of a list in a tribe. Right. And so those are, those are different skill sets. And I think some people probably are really good at doing them at the same time and building it up as they go. I just haven't been, it is hard for me to get on Twitter. It is hard for me to get out there and be vulnerable and say, Hey guys, pay attention to me. But it's something that I'm working on because it is something that, you know, when I do go and speak somewhere or I show up for a tutorial, like to do training or whatever, I get more followers. I get more, um, uh, clients that way. And so that's something I want to continue to grow. So that means I have to learn to step into that role of being seen as an expert and not just being an expert on the back end that people don't know about. What you're talking about there is hard. I struggle with it. I know people who struggle with it. It's not, obviously it comes easier to certain people, but most people like it's a natural thing to like, you know, not want to be putting yourself out there because when you do, you get criticized and 
you know, there's, there's judgment. There's all these kind of inbuilt kind of Or you get affairs. ignored. But, and that's Yeah, that worse. could be worse, you know. I've done it. I've done, oh God, I look, I cringe when I look back at them. You know, I was doing videos and like targeting all my local areas where I was like, you know, like I was doing web design and SEO, but like, I don't know. I was trying to do it in my local area. I wasn't doing it in the right areas. If you get me, like it's not where my ideal clients were, but like, uh, it, but it was just hard. I was like, oh, making videos and putting them on Facebook. And it just felt so weird and awkward. And even look at this podcast. I've wanted to do this. I'm joking not. I've had this domain name for two years and I've had the mic for about 18 months. And I just, I don't know what it is. There's this weird fear of putting yourself out there, you know, uh, that I just, I don't know what it is. Uh, it's just, uh, look, I can't explain. I think everybody knows what it is when they're going through it, but it's hard to explain what it is. It's like, oh, but like you're saying there, it's something that it's just a challenge. You know, and you have to, you have to just kind of force your way through it. You know, it's like a training. It's like a muscle. Next thing you know, you know, it gets easier, I guess. You know, you know this even from podcasting yourself. The more you do it, the easier it gets, the more natural you get the better you get. You listen to my first episode. Oh my good God. I say the word eh, eh, um, at the end of almost everything. And I say, you know, I'm not joking. It's probably a hundred times in that episode. <laughs> so it's, you know, but you learn as you go along. Um, um, I just said it there. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say some of those things you do just naturally get better at and some of them you don't. But by doing it frequently enough that you show up and you keep on making those same mistakes, then you know exactly what you need to fix. And that's something you don't know on day zero or day one. And so many people when they're just starting out, they're like, oh, I just need to know exactly what I need to do. Well, you're not going to know exactly what you need to do. It's going to be trial and error and some things are going to just get fixed naturally and some things you're going to need to hire a coach and you're going to need to invest in yourself. Or you're going to need to change directions, but you can't know that up at front. You have to be willing to show up and frankly, embarrass yourself and frankly, be comfortable with feeling really bad and have things not work the way you want because not everything will. Some things might and some things won't. And being able to continue to show up anyway and invest in it enough that you get to the point where you can resolve those things that are more challenging and get to the point where, you know, you're stronger in it than you would have been before. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, it's all development, personal development, development of your own skill set, which is an important thing to do. You touched there on, you know, having a business coach and it's something I've only done recently where I have a business coach to help me with both this podcast and my own local SEO business. So is that something, you know, at what point did you, you know, did you invest, as you say, I see it as an investment too. Like, At what point did you yourself invest in, in seeking mentorship and, and in what form? I guess for me, it was a few years ago. Uh, there was someone who I just followed online for a while. I bought a few of her products and I really uh, liked her style. I'll just say it's it's Itty Biz. It's Naomi Dunford from Itty Biz if anyone's interested in that. There's just a lot of content you can just read for free, a lot of products you can buy. But then I wanted, you know, I wanted to kind of take things to the next level and I'd never worked with a coach before. I guess I also did a mastermind that same year probably. So between a mastermind and working with her, uh, it, it wasn't so much the new things I learned that I never thought of before, but being able to have someone with an outside perspective who could look at what I'm doing. I think we deal a lot with like the curse of knowledge that we're so inside. It's like I heard someone describe it as if you're if you're on the inside of a Sprite bottle, you don't know 
how to explain it because you can't read the label that says Sprite because it's backwards. So everyone else can see it and knows exactly what it is. And you're just not sure what's going on. You're like on the inside. So being able to have someone else who's like, oh, this is what this is what you are. This is how you need to show up. You need to fix this. You need to not worry about that. It's super helpful. And especially when they can deal with all like your insecurities and frustrations and just help you move forward anyway. Uh, someone who's been there, it, it's I find it's really useful to be like, all right, I'm just going to suck it up. I'm going to keep going. I'm paying for this. And and it just helps you invest more in yourself, uh, you know, not just with the money, but just investing in yourself with the idea of this is hard. And I'm going to keep doing it and it's going to get better. I think there's a lot to be said for that. Oh, absolutely. Just two. It's kind of two thoughts I have on that. One is because I know people who've invested quite large money into coaching, you know, and some one person said it was like, basically, it was a lot of things they already knew I should do. But because I'm paying for it now, I'm doing it. <laughs> that was that was yeah. one person's <laughs> approach, you know, that there's a, an element of that. And so the second is, I completely agree with you that when you are like, like it's almost if you ever read the E-Myth Revisited, where they speak about the technician versus the manager. And it's when you're when you're the technician and you've got all that, like you're saying, you've got PPC knowledge, you can talk about you know, the Google ad suite inside out. I could talk to you about SEO, SEM rush, Ahrefs, whatever, get into all that jargon. When you're dealing with somebody who is a business owner and they want more business, that's what they, like, they come to you to come to me. It doesn't matter who to go to. That's what they want. You know, like I want more calls. I want more customers. That's what they want to hear. <laughs> Stop getting into your technical explanations of all the great things that you know how to do this trade that you've learned for the last 10 years. Yeah, that's awesome, but I don't understand any of it, and you're just scaring me now. <laughs> so, so it, it it's really important, and this is where I feel business coaches can help you to get that messaging clear and correct, and and to start. Um, also, I think they they can help guide you with like what's the most important next step. You know, like what's never mind fussing over your logo or never mind fussing over the footer of your email. Like, stop it. You're just, you know, you're kidding yourself. <laughs> you're, 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 right. That, that your logo isn't keeping you from getting customers, but here are the, the five things that are that you're not willing to address yet. There comes a certain point where most people will look to seek some sort of mentorship or guidance. Like really, you know, if you think about any other trade, you know, any of the building trades, you, you know, there's an apprentice model or somebody who hands down skills. I kind of see it a little bit like that where, you know, it's somebody who's achieved something that you want to achieve or they've done something you want to do. And they're really just kind of helping guide you along the way. You know, what was the name of the person who you said you did? It's OK. Drop away. Name drop. All good. Yeah. So, so her name is Naomi Dunford. Uh, she lives in Canada and I just think she's amazing. I will say I've worked with other coaches, including right now. And so there's a few other things to say about coaching just because it's on my mind. One is that there's, there's a big value in just working with sp- very specific people to solve a very specific problem that are hyper specialized. You know, it's, it's not fair of me to need, if I just go to Naomi, like, oh, I am having this problem because, you know, it's, it's hard to be in business with my husband. I'm having this problem because I don't want to do email. I'm having this problem because this podcasting having this problem because of this client like she I can't expect her to be able to solve all of that for me but if I can go in and say you know just this last week my husband and I were vetting podcast coaches like we we know we have these specific things we're trying to fix can you help us fix them we're able to get a lot it, it focuses our own understanding of what we're going to be spending our time on. And then it also means we're able to find someone who can you know, very specifically help with that. So the vetting process of kind of knowing what you're looking for and being able to 
to find someone that meets your criteria, I think is really important. I also think it's really important to make sure that you're working with people who have helped solve problems for people who have been in your situation before, which sounds really obvious, but especially when we find coaches that have packages, like this is the dread to dream package and it's $5,000 and you get my time and I'm going to not let you fail. But like, what's on the other end of that, you know, $5,000? Like, what do you actually get for it? How's it going to help you? I have been roped into some of that and I'm a lot more cautious now, but just like the the outcome that they promised looks so good that I don't stop to think of like, how is this actually going to help me? How, how is this transformation going to happen? And I know, especially I would say the more desperate that we are, you know, the more we really want change, the more we tend to be willing to believe that story of, oh, if you just had this right coach, then everything would be better. And that's rarely how it actually happens for people. And you end up spending thousands of dollars on something like, uh, that didn't really work. And this person doesn't actually have experience helping people like me. So she just gave me generic advice that isn't what I need, that I already know is not what I need. That's why I'm trying to solve for this. So I think that there's really an advantage of making sure you find someone who's specifically able to help people in your situation and not just give general advice because they helped other people who are nothing. You know what I mean? Like you wouldn't go to someone who's like, oh, just be on Instagram. You're like, no, this is for SEO. (laughs) That's not going to help me there. I agree with you totally. 100% what you're saying there. So, you know, about just what's the right, who's the person I need at this moment in time to get me to that next level. I treat books like that as well. I'm like, what's the book I need to be reading now to do? For me right now is the Checklist Manifesto. That's what I'm reading because I'm really trying to systemize my own business and, you know, to the best, even this podcast is like, I need to get the outreach lockdown the editing is fine i have a guy here in ireland who does that for me i'm hiring a and i just literally hired yesterday an agency for doing the social media and the graphics and things so like but everything needs checklists <laughs> you know it's it's like here's what i want you to post here's how many times i need you to post here's the sort of tone i want you to take like i gotta get all that down so i'm like checklist manifesto that's the book i need to be reading right now which ironically it's got no, I, a lot to do with doctors like open heart surgery and it's it's a pretty crazy book i wasn't expecting it to be what it is um very good if you have never read it i, I just i'm only halfway through but i mean so far so good <laughs> you know yeah so we touched there on a couple of different things we've mentioned slack a few times so can you tell me you know from your own perspective like what are the tools that you would use regularly that would help you to run the business so I use a lot of different tools for a lot of different purposes. Um, I could definitely run through some of them with you. Uh, just, I guess, for being being a remote worker and trying to, like, I, I wear all the hats, right? Between my husband and me, we wear all the hats. And so just there's... Um, you know, I, I've got tools for retirement investing, tools for payroll, tools for invoicing, tools for podcasting and for data and analysis and reporting and, um, you know, booking meetings and running meetings and recording meetings and, and just sending proposals. So I've got tools for everything I'm doing because otherwise, what, am I going to do it by hand or just do it when I remember? You know, I, I've got to use tools and systems for those sort of things. And I'd say for me, it's definitely a, a build as you go sort of thing. If you just start out with like all your tools and you haven't used any of them before, it's just going to feel really overwhelming. So you have to do tools that you know are going to work for you. Like we're still trying to find a basically a, a project management sort of tool. I've tried several and haven't stuck with anything. And so that's not good. You, you need to be able to stick with it and know it works for you. And so like Trello works in some cases and it's not my favorite in other cases. And Asana, same thing. I'm not really loyal to it. I'm interested in Monday, but I haven't used it extensively. I'm interested in um, 
some other one that I ha- haven't like Airtable. I, I I've tried, but I'm just I'm not sticking to it. So there's there's just you need to there's a lot of options out there. So figuring out what works for you is super important as opposed to just like oh what are tools because if you don't use it then that it didn't do you any good. No, I agree. And I was going to like my my questions now was going to be so like. I understand there's an awful lot of moving parts there. What do you manage it with? And it's like, well, it's kind of a mix of Asana and Trello and probably Google Suite. You know, it's it, there, there's that many moving parts that uh, it, it's hard to put it all into one place. And there are different sides of the business too, you know. But um, yeah, look, personally, I'm a, I like Asano. Uh, I know a lot of people who like Trello. I mean, you do what you can, but the things keep moving forward. So long as you're refining it in some shape or form as you, as you move forward with the business, I mean, that's what matters really. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm going to just jump into a little bit of a quick fire round and well, with a couple of questions and let me know the first answer that comes to your head, okay? Sure. Asana or Trello? Uh, Trello. Coffee or tea when you're working? A hot chocolate. I don't have coffee or tea. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, would you use Fiverr or Upwork? I'm on Upwork, but I typically use Fiverr to find people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I find great graphics people on Fiverr late. Um, lead pages or click funnels for landing pages? Um, I use Unbounce. Which do you prefer to work in, hotel lounges or cafes? They each have pros and cons. I will say uh, cafes because there's food. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, where is your favorite holiday destination that you've ever gone to? Um, I used to live in New York and going back to New York, I love. Sweet. I live there too. It's brilliant. Uh, what is your favorite city to be a digital nomad in? So it's, it's, it's really cliche, but... Uh, um Bangkok or Chiang Mai <laughs> I think it's because there's so many other people who are interested in what you're interested in there and it's easy to have fun isn't it yeah and it just it feels it's just a different life and if you're like working as a digital nomad like at home <laughs> just down the street yeah, yeah. like oh look how different this is it's 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 much different so it's kind of cool. cool and what's the last book that you read building a story brand it's about how to position this as t- how, to, how to tell more of a story and get people on board that way and what's your favorite podcast? Gosh, there's I listen to a lot of podcasts. I really enjoy listening to the Copywriter Club podcast because they just the way they interview people. It's, uh, well, I mentioned Itty Biz by Naomi Dunford. Uh, Ramit Sethi's blog, like I Will Teach You to Be Rich or Growth Labs is also another good one. And do you use a Mac or Windows for work? I'm on a Mac right now. I try to be ambidextrous and use Windows <laughs> when I need to as well. Yeah, I used to have to use Windows because of SEO tools, but nowadays everything works on Mac. Yeah, so yeah, I'm yeah. Delighted. yeah. <laughs> Those days are over of having to have two computers, one for running tools and one for email. <laughs> you know? um, cool. So, right, we're coming towards the end of the episode here now. So I just kind of like to touch a little bit on you know, you know, if you would have some tips or advice for those people who are at an earlier stage of, of, you know, building a business, no matter what that is, what would you say in hindsight now, you know, is an important thing to keep in mind and what, what advice would you give them, I suppose, moving forward um, from your own experience? So I guess there's a few things. If you're, if you're working as an employee and you're just trying to transition to remote so you could see how you do, and then you're, and you're trying to transition, you know, to become a digital nomad, it is a different skill set to be able to work from home when you're not supervised, when no one's telling you what to do. Like, I don't care who you are, or what your skills are, you need to be able to do that part in order to work independently. And so work on, I would suggest to work on um, treating 
treating your work like your work when you're at home, like wherever you're starting out, just get in the habit of doing that. Because otherwise, if no one's telling you what to do, uh, whether you're employed or you're trying to do it for yourself, you're not going to be very successful. And so it doesn't mean you have to like dress up like you're going to the office, but like learn to to prioritize your work and your assignments in whatever environment you're in. That's a huge tip I have. Don't just treat it like, hey, I'm home, so I get to slack off. Um, also, I think, you know, you mentioned being able to communicate what's important to businesses um, and and to business owners. Like that's, that's a super important skill to have. And when we're too much in the weeds of being a subject matter expert, it can get hard to know how to speak that same language. In my experience, it's not just about being able to say, hey, we can drive more leads and sales because everyone else can talk about that. But you need to be able to talk about the method that you're going to do it, which doesn't mean getting into the weeds with them, but helping them understand your process or that you've got some sort of special sauce. And that you need to be able to identify that as a differentiator if you want to get good quality clients and not just um, that you can you can improve that relationship, I'll say. So being able to is, is your if you're trying to figure out how to go in business, it's not enough to say, hey, I'll get you leads and sales by doing SEO, right? It's about I'm going to use this kind of method. I'm going to do this sort of thing. And right now we're in an interesting time where everyone is so focused on technology and so focused on, you know, anyone comes along and says, I can use automatic targeting to programmatically run your SEO or whatever. Like that's super popular. I actually, we had a client who was like, so what are you doing for programmatic SEO? We're like, what are you talking about? That's not even a thing. Programmatic organic, right? We're like, um, nope, that's not how it works. But people are so interested in that sort of thing that you need to be able to understand where they're coming from and speak their language and position your services so that they appeal to someone and not just say, oh, I can do this, but here's why you should get it from me rather than other people and be able to articulate your differentiator. That's really important. Yeah, I think that's really important. Those are two very, very good explanations and pieces of advice. So thank you. I appreciate that. So where can people find you? You can find me at paidsearchmagic.com and uh, on our podcast on Paid Search Magic Podcasts. Listen to podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I appreciate you coming on, Amy. It really was a very good conversation, I feel, today. There was a lot of things to take out of it for our listeners. and. I appreciate you coming on board and yeah, thank you. Wish you every success. Thank you for listening to the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. Head over to the website to access the resources and links mentioned in today's episode at digitalnomadcafe.com.